Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, our staff evangelist, James Collins, will give us an update on this year's Gleanings Initiative. But first, we have a special treat as we continue looking back at some of your favorite programs from this year. Today, we get to learn about the Sons of God and the Nephilim from Mac Dominic. Lord willing, and with your help, 2022 will feature many new resources, the launch of our online streaming service, FaithNet TV, and conferences all over the country. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, our next in-person conference, will take place Friday and Saturday, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Registration is now open. Visit swrc.com and click on Events at the top of the homepage. Registration is free, but required. The Central Florida Prophecy Conference, January 28th and 29th in Lakeland, Florida. Register today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or visit swrc.com. There are many mysteries in this world. Mac Dominic got everyone's attention earlier this year when he revealed some of these mysteries, specifically mysteries about the sons of God and the Nephilim. The Bible is a supernatural book. It tells of supernatural events. However, many Christians today seem to want to pick and choose what is supernatural in the Bible and what is not. With me today to talk about the supernatural worldview of the Word of God is Mac Dominic. Mac has produced two fantastic teaching DVDs, this teaching DVD set titled The Sons of God and the Nephilim. Mac, thanks for being on The Watchman on the Wall with me today. Oh, thank you, James. It is always a privilege to be on your broadcast. Well, Mac, Genesis 6 speaks about the sons of God and giants in the earth. In your DVD, you call Genesis 6 one of the most marginalized passages in the Word of God. What exactly did you mean by that? The truth of the matter is, well, let me just put it this way. I've been a member of a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, not the same church, but different churches, for over 50 years, and I have never, ever heard one pastor preach or teach on Genesis chapter 6. Now, I have as a Sunday school teacher, but I have never heard one pastor even mention it. And any pastor that has done a study on Genesis in the churches that I have been in over the years, and I'm not being critical, but, you know, it's just the reality when it comes to Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, they pretty much skip it. They skip it, right. And that's what I mean by marginalized, is that it is not taught, even in Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, for the most part. And, you know, I've gone to very conservative churches, and I've never heard it from the pulpit. I know when I was in seminary, I had visited with my Hebrew professor about Genesis 6, and he basically did the same thing. He just kind of blew me off, and <laughs> so I had to do my own research into it. Now, there are three views, Mac, that most people have to approach Genesis 6 and the Sons of God. Now, in this DVD set, you do a fantastic job explaining those three views. What are those three views? If we can call them by what their technical name is, they are called the Sethite view, the royalty view, and the supernatural view. The Sethite view states that the sons of God 
were of the line of Seth. You know, James, that Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and after Abel was killed by Cain and Cain was banished, Seth was born, and was, of course, through the line of Seth that we get Noah and the patriarchs, of course, after the flood. And so the Sethite view says that the sons of God were simply members of the line of Seth and that the daughters of men were the line of Cain and that they intermarried and that with this intermarriage, wicked men were produced through this line. And people that believe this don't really even go much into the whole giant view or they don't even go much into the Nephilim or that meaning of what that Hebrew word means. But basically, they just say it's the godly line of Seth intermarrying with the ungodly line of Cain, which produced ungodly people. And that's pretty much the Sethite view. Now, the royalty view says that there were actually kings in prior, that lived prior to the flood, and these kings intermarried with common women and engendered a race or a sect of human beings that were evil because they were kings and they didn't marry up to their level. And that also really makes no sense whatsoever. But finally, the supernatural view follows the text of the Word of God. And that is one thing that we really need to emphasize, is that if we want to properly interpret the Bible, we must always interpret Scripture in the light of other Scripture, and we must give preeminence to what the text actually says and not what we really think. And so if you follow the text, you see that the sons of God in the Hebrew, the Benai Elohim, are spoken of as angels other places of the Old Testament, the book of Job being one of the most predominant ones. But the sons of the Benai Elohim are spoken of as angels throughout the Old Testament. The daughters of men there, actually, when you look at the text, it says the daughters of Adam, which would include all the females of the human race at this point. And then the offspring of these marriages were the Nephilim, which is a word that's translated giants in most of our English Bibles because that's from the Greek Septuagint, the word gigantus from the Septuagint, but the Hebrew word is Nephilim. And so that word appears in the book of Genesis and again in the book of Numbers, and it speaks of giants, always speaks of giants. You know, we know, we read in the book of Numbers that Goliath was among the Nephilim, and there were others among the Nephilim. And when the Hebrews went into the promised land, the Nephilim were in the land, as we're told in the book of Numbers. So those three views are basically the three choices that scholars give us. The Sethite view was actually made popular by Augustine and the Reformers, although Julius Africanus was the first that we find that purported the Sethite view. But really, up until the time of Augustine, around 400 A.D., the church pretty much held to the supernatural view of Scripture. The royalty view was not put forth really until Rabbi Akiva back after the death of Christ, and that's been taken up by a couple modern scholars that hold the royalty view, but that one's really hard to uphold. But the Reformers 
and the Reformation Church were the ones that came up with the Sethite view, and that, as a result, in Protestant denominations, that's pretty much what we see throughout Protestant churches. Well, like you said, the Sethite view and the royalty view really don't add up. The supernatural view is the only one that really makes sense with Scripture, and they fit with the New Testament passages found in the writings of Peter and Jude. Can you tell me a little bit about those passages? That's exactly right. Second Peter chapter 5 and verse 4 and 5 and Jude chapter 6, it talks about the angels that sinned. Before the days of Noah, the angels that sinned. So we see that Peter and Jude really take numbers and name names. They talk about these angels that sinned during the days of Noah, so what else could this be talking about other than the supernatural view, which talks about the sons of God as angels, the daughters of men as human women, and the giants or the offspring of these unions as the Nephilim. It also goes on and says in the Old Testament in Genesis 6 that Noah was perfect in his generation. In other words, he had no Nephilim in his genealogy, and that's what is meant by Noah being perfect. When the Bible speaks about Noah being perfect in his generation, it really wasn't speaking about his moral character. It was referring, in fact, like you said, to his genetic makeup not being corrupted. Yeah. So this goes back, though, really, don't you think, to Genesis 3.15, Satan wanted to corrupt the seed of the woman, right? Absolutely. The Genesis 3.15 is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible, and the seed of the woman is very interesting because if you study that, the phrase, the seed of the woman, is something that baffled Hebrew scholars for years because they looked at human conception as the man planting the seed in the woman and then that seed becoming a human being which is conceived and born. But when you talk about the seed of the woman, that's the antithesis of what they really thought about conception and biology. And the only way, the only way in the Old Testament that you could logically have a seed of the woman was a virgin birth. And so if Messiah would come from the seed of the woman, meaning a human seed, then Satan could take this opportunity to corrupt the human seed, corrupt the human race, and therefore prevent the coming of the Messiah. It all just fits together like a glove. I'm talking today with Mac Dominic about his incredible teaching DVD set, The Sons of God and the Nephilim, Volume 1 and 2. And you can get your own copy of these DVDs right now by calling 1-800-652-1144. That toll-free number, once again, is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can go to our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Mac, am I correct to understand that God really sent the flood, Noah's flood, to preserve mankind, not to destroy it? Exactly. Because what had happened in the time of the Nephilim and the time of the Watchers, the human genome had been corrupted. And so, therefore, we look back at some of the extra-biblical narratives like the Book of Enoch and other writings like the Book of Jubilees, we find that the phrase in our Bible that says there was violence in the earth back in those times, if we get detail from some extra-biblical sources, we find that the Nephilim 
were destroying themselves, they were cannibalistic, they were going to destroy the human race. And so by sending the flood, yes, God was not happy. God was angry that man had completely turned to sin, but actually the reality is, is by sending the flood, God actually rescued the human race from complete destruction because had the Nephilim gene gone into the entire race, the entire race would have eventually ceased to exist and been destroyed. You mentioned outside the Bible some of the other sources that provide more evidence for the supernatural worldview of Genesis 6. Tell me a little bit about the Book of Enoch. That's an incredible book. It is an incredible book. You know, I am not an expert. I know some of the experts say that Enoch was written in the Second Temple period. I do not know whether that is a fact or not. We know that Jude says, as Enoch prophesied, in the Bible. So the book of Enoch, though it is not inspired scripture, is endorsed by the New Testament, which is quite amazing. We further know that the Ethiopian Christian church did put Enoch in the canon of scripture, and they viewed it as the Word of God. We also know that the book of Enoch was hidden from the Western church for a long time, They had it down in Ethiopia, and I think that I mentioned this in the DVD about the gentleman from Great Britain that actually went to Ethiopia, I believe, in the 19th century and retrieved a couple copies of the Book of Enoch and came back and translated them. So the Western Church did not have access to the Book of Enoch for a long, long time. And you read the Book of Enoch, it reads like Genesis and you study the Book of Enoch, it is quite amazing. So while we cannot and will not say that it is inspired scripture, we can say that it is Jewish literature that was endorsed by the New Testament, which grants it a lot of credibility. Now, I really wonder, since Jude said that as Enoch prophesied, I really wonder if the Book of Enoch is Second Temple literature, or if it is something that was preserved from before the flood. That would be quite incredible and amazing, but it's certainly not impossible. I agree with you. I believe that it probably most likely was written by Enoch because that's what Jude says, and so I think it was a pre-flood document. It's incredible. Now, do we find evidence of the Son of God and the Nephilim in other places, such as the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yes, the Dead Sea Scrolls address that directly. And we find the sons of God and and the Nephilim in all types of cultural, non-biblical, non-Christian, Gentile peoples scattered throughout the region as well. So it's all over the place if you look for it. Well, in Genesis 10 and 11, we read about a man named Nimrod. Who was Nimrod, and what was his intent with the building of the Tower of Babel? This is after the flood, but what was his intent? That is a very good question, and different people have different views on that. The honest-to-goodness truth is that what we read in the Bible is that mankind was building a tower to the heavens. Now, you read in Josephus that the Tower of Babel, was they were trying to build it to the heavens. In the event that God sent another flood, they'd have a structure that would rise above the floodwaters. 
There are other people that believe that the Tower of Babel was a gateway built over the abyss, and it was an interdimensional gateway to open up our dimension to the dimension of the watchers and fallen angels to bring them back, to bring back all the knowledge of the pre-flood period. And so there are a lot of different views of the Tower of Babel. And we believe that Nimrod, in all likelihood, was the leader of the group there that built the Tower of Babel. I know that Derek Gilbert says that Nimrod was the same as the Sumerian king in Merkur, and he tried to rebuild and expand an ancient temple in the city of Eridu dedicated to Enki, the god of the abyss. And so the Tower of Babel, in that instance, was looked at as the gate of the gods. But there are other views of Nimrod. The Bible says he began to become a Gaborim, or a mighty one in the earth. And the Bible talks about the fact that his father was Cush, but the way that is worded is very interesting even at that, because there is speculation that Nimrod may even have been the result of post-flood Nephilim inbreeding and those types of things. So it's really, really, really interesting because the Septuagint calls Nimrod a giant, and it says he became the first to begin to be a giant in the earth. And so if there is a lot going on there. We go into a lot of detail in the DVD, and I quote mainly a book by Tim Chafee named The Fallen, and Tim does an excellent job of going into the different aspects of who Nimrod was and what happened there. And so it's a really interesting study when you start talking about Nimrod. We've been listening to a portion of a program from earlier this year about the Nephilim. Today we're offering the highly sought-after two-DVD set, Sons of God and the Nephilim. This DVD will cover the events of Scripture from Genesis 6 through the flood itself and resolve important questions like, who were the sons of God of Genesis 6? What was their impact on mankind? Are UFOs and space aliens real? Both DVDs are available today when you call 1-800-652-1144. Order this two-volume collection online, swrc.com. James Collins is back to help us prepare for this year's gleanings. With all the details, here's James. I have a burden on my heart that I'd like to share with you if you'll bear with me for a few minutes. I've been praying about this burden, and I hope that you'll pray with me and maybe even help me with it. Before I talk about this burden, I want to tell you just a little bit about our ministry. Southwest Radio Church was founded in April of 1933 by Dr. E.F. Weber. Dr. Weber was a pastor of a church here in Oklahoma City, and he felt that God was calling him to be on the radio. So he purchased time on a local AM radio station. He called his program Southwest Radio Church because he was broadcasting from the Southwest and because he believed that his listening audience was an extension of his church. 
A lot has changed over the years. From that first AM station, we have grown, and now Southwest Radio Ministries has a worldwide outreach. We are now on over 700 radio stations. We have websites, podcasts, apps, a book publishing company, and we recently expanded into television with FaithNet TV. Yes, a lot has changed over the years. But since April of 1933, our theme has basically been the same. Bible teaching with an emphasis on those things other ministries don't normally teach, including Bible prophecy. Dr. Weber's favorite verse in the Bible was Isaiah 62.6. That verse says, I have set a watchman upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace, day nor night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence. Since 1933, we have been your watchman on the wall. Our ministry declares the signs of the times. We point out the things the Lord Jesus Christ said to look for before his return. Everyone here at Southwest Radio Ministries believes that God has called us to be watchmen on the wall. We fill a void in the sense that we address subjects that other ministries are just afraid to touch. Now, that doesn't mean we agree 100% with every guest that we have on the program, but we think it's important that we're challenged sometime. However, everything on our program must be backed up by God's Word. The Bible is our standard. We understand that the Bible is the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of the living God. A huge part of our ministry as Watchmen on the Wall is to share the gospel. Our statistics tell us that 40% of the people that listen to Christian radio are lost. 40% of the people listening to me right now do not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we unashamedly share the saving gospel. Also, since the founding of this ministry, we have supported missions in China, Sudan, Russia, and countries all around the world. We currently operate a church and Christian school in Pakistan. We have a continuing mission to Mexico and South America, and we have an ongoing outreach with our Onesimus prison ministry to thousands of incarcerated men and women. By the way, that ministry is supported by our calendar. The men and women in prison love to receive our calendar. Now, probably most of you no longer use a wall calendar. Today, most people use the electronic calendar on their smartphone or computer. However, those who are in prison are not allowed the use of those types of devices. So our calendar is very important to them. Not only does it help them mark time, but it also has a Bible study. It was my privilege to write this year's calendar. It is based on my book that's going to be released next month, Lord willing. The book is called The Twelve, and the book and the calendar are both a study of the Twelve Minor Prophets of the Old Testament. You know, when you purchase a calendar, we are able to send one to someone in prison. So I hope that you're able to purchase one or more of those calendars this year. Well, since 1933, we have declared God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. E.F. Weber said it. David Weber said it. Noah Hutchings said it. Kenneth Hill said it. Larry Spargimino said it. Now I, James Collins, as a representative of this generation, proudly proclaim God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. 
And it's our intention at Southwest Radio Ministries to continue to proclaim God is still on the throne and prayer changes things until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. I said all of that to bring you to my burden. This is what I've been praying about. One of the problems with any ministry is financing, and that's entirely true with Southwest Radio Ministries. Someone once said the gospel is free, but someone has to pay the electric bill. <laughs> and that's, that's certainly true. This past year has been extremely difficult for our ministry. This past summer, the post office lost our June mail. You know, there was nothing we could do about it, but because of that mistake, we had very, very little income in the month of June. Also, giving is down. Since January of 2021, prices have steadily increased. In just a year's time, our country has been plagued by runaway inflation. Today, the cost of a gallon of gasoline is more than double what it was a year ago. The cost of living has gone up so much and there is so much uncertainty in the economy that people are holding on to their money. People have stopped giving. Now, we don't have millions in the bank somewhere, and you may not realize this, but it costs money to be on the radio. We have to purchase airtime. This past year, we had to cut several radio stations because listeners in those markets just didn't support us enough to continue to buy the airtime. Southwest Radio Ministries is listener-supported. You, dear listener, are an important link in the chain. That's why I've been praying, and that's why I'm coming to you now to ask for your help. There is a principle in the Bible of gleaning. We especially see the example of gleaning in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. The children of Israel were blessed by God, so they left a portion of their crops for those less fortunate to glean from. So I'm asking you today to give a gleaning offering to Southwest Radio Ministries. Would you prayerfully ask the Lord what he'd have you give and then give it? If you give before December 31st, your offering is tax deductible. You can give a gleaning offering to Southwest Radio Ministries by mailing it to Southwest Radio Ministries, P.O. Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. You can also call with your gift. Our number is 1-800-652-1144. Or you can give online very easily. Just go to our webpage, swrc.com, and click on the box that says Support SWRC. You know, you may think that your gift will not amount to much, but little is much when God is in it. If you could give $10, $20, $50, you know, if everyone listening to me right now would just give $20.22, that's $20.22 for the year 2022, we would be able to meet our financial obligations. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. And thank you for supporting your Watchman on the Wall program. I pray that you have a blessed Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you, James. You can support Watchman on the Wall with your tax-deductible gift by calling 1-800-652-1144. Or you can give online swrc.com. In our resource center today, we're offering the highly sought-after two-DVD set, Sons of God and the Nephilim by Mac Dominic.
Both DVDs for a gift of $35 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Tomorrow, we look back with James Collins at Psalm 23 and The Shepherd. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.